news crew, including Morris Carlson and Alec on the other side of the glass. This has been the Daily Sports Report. Yes, indeed. David Bowie, what a legend. Uh, of course, we are a radio station. And, uh, you know, I didn't love everything that David Bowie did in his career, but you know what? What he epitomized to me was uh, a genius, brilliant, creative, willing to take chances. We've all heard the tributes. I would say that the only two rock and roll figures that I can definitely remember where I was, what I was doing when I heard they died, were John Lennon and Jerry Garcia. Uh, I heard about the David Bowie thing when I just sort of got an update on the BBC radio last night. And uh, it sounds like even his last album, released several days ago, was an act of creativity that will... Always be remembered. So I don't know this for sure, but I have a good feeling that tonight on Groovasaurus with Mick, probably hear some David Bowie. Because us older folks of a certain age, I don't care whether it was the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, David Bowie had some sort of an influence on your personality or you can remember something about him. Jim just walked into the room. I'm going to let him... 
take over here in a second. He is more of an expert on music. But I will just mention one interesting anecdote. I was once given a David Bowie T-shirt by a girlfriend. It didn't fit her anymore. She'd gained a little weight. And I was still uh, trim and very, very uh, buff when I was in my young 20s, and I used to wear this David Bowie T-shirt. It didn't have David Bowie on it, but it had a image kind of of the Ziggy Stardust uh, era of David Bowie. And that T-shirt, uh, well, <laughs> to make a long story short, <laughs> I went to a concert in Toronto to see Black Uhuru. I used to travel to see reggae and the Grateful Dead back in those younger days. And uh, some woman was so impressed with uh, how I looked in that light blue T-shirt with the uh, the red image of David Bowie. We struck up a conversation, and I spent the night with her. A beautiful co-ed from Canada, one of my two international romances in my... <laughs> it was a kind of a, a weekend stand, as they say, but uh, I guess that's why I'll always remember David Bowie. <laughs> well, as you say, David Bowie made such a mark that it really does become part of your personality and who you are, the kind of records that you heard when you were in your... You know, teenage years developing your worldview, and uh, certainly uh, once you gain exposure to uh, a radio station like WCBN that goes in all uh, directions of time and space uh, from one minute to the next on a freeform show, you learn even more. Uh, David Bowie's great mark is that he's a synthesist. Yes. Not that he plays a synthesizer, but that he blends uh, different forms, different art techniques uh he changed uh, from album to album uh there are very few bad david bowie records and no. very many great ones um i challenge people sometimes to uh name your top five all-time favorite david bowie records and you can't do it you, you can't do it because when you get to four you realize oh my god i've only got one pick left and there's like seven more albums i want to choose so uh yeah, the body of work is just uh, simply outstanding, and uh, what you have to say about him. You know, it's interesting that, that I even saw A Man Who Fell to Earth, um, a movie. That, His mid-'70s film with Nicholas Rogue. Yeah, and Nicholas Rogue was one of those directors. I loved his movies. I wish he made more of them. He, he made some really interesting movies uh, that... I always went and saw, whenever they were playing around the University of Michigan campus. So, it, yeah, David Bowie had something beyond, something that transcended uh, what we would call rock and roll icon. Um, I guess, you know, he wasn't Elvis or Madonna. He didn't have a one-name Bowie thing, but he could have. Yeah. He was that uh, well, influential. It, in a way, he's sort of like, he blends the best aspects of some of the major 20th century artists. Great lyricist, he's got a little bit of Bob Dylan to him. Uh, ex using the studio to explore new techniques and, and soundscapes and pop music, the Beatles. Uh, the German electronic music that opened up an entire galaxy of sound and eventually led to things like Detroit techno. David Bowie was in that too. Uh, he's as much uh, a Charlie Chaplin as he is a Chuck Berry. Uh, so he really did have a finger in every 
artistic medium. He painted. He was an actor. Um, well, he was also, it was interesting because, uh, you know, after I heard that he had passed away, somewhat, you know, not many people knew that he that he, that he he was literally well, he, dying. He, yeah, but he'd I guess, had a, uh, uh, a heart health yeah. scare uh, a few years back, and that uh, forced the cancellation of a tour, and I don't think he'd toured at all since then, but had played individual shows or festivals. Uh, his last album, which came out a couple of years ago, uh, was welcomed with great fanfare uh, as a return to form. Well, he just released one three days ago. And yeah. uh, it was known that he yeah. was working on an album, but as you say, it was a very well-kept secret. Again, that's part of the Bowie uh, mystique, too, is Man of Mystery, what'll he do next? Nobody knows. Uh, this new album, which I have yet to hear, uh, is purportedly a, a jazz album. Of course, he was a saxophone player, uh, and that shows up on various records of his throughout the years. But uh, the fact that they were able to keep this so secret so he could finish this work, in a way, it's not unlike Stanley Kubrick, finishing one last great work yeah. just literally on death's door and just you know finishing it up and putting it out there for the world, and then that's all he had. Yeah, and it's interesting, apparently, this last uh, Lazarus uh, video is, is actually almost a video representation of his last creative act. Quite interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up tuning into the BBC for a couple of hours just to hear other uh, notable people that knew him. So he was a kind of a private man um some even said that he was shy but they pointed out that he was very well read and that mm -hmm. his you know the the sort of the fundamentals of his actual creativity were not random nonsense it no, was, not it at was all. he was, it was an intellectual some, and yeah. an artiste like you know he apparently has an incredible you know top 100 reading list kind of thing mm -hmm. That uh, might be worth checking out um, if well, you're so inclined. No less a figure than Patti Smith uh, once called him a Metropolis Valentino. So he's an icon. He's a legend. And uh, I, my heart went out this morning to Sue Dice, uh, who does radio on Monday mornings. It was uh, her. It fell upon her many years back to break the news to CBN listeners that James Brown had passed on Christmas morning. Oh, wow. Uh, and so yeah. it, it was Monday today, so I my first thought after I heard the news was, oh, Sue is going to be really, he's one of her favorites. Uh, and she did a nonstop Bowie celebration today. So the love that we share for great artists brings us all together, and that's really part of the function of art is to celebrate and share the human experience. And, of course, and, interesting that one of his iconic songs is Panic in Detroit. Indeed. Detroit. Rock and roll, A city baby. that uh, made even David Bowie take notice. <laughs> you got it. And it's, you know, it's also interesting to note that he, he admitted that he wa he didn't really enjoy touring that much, that he was kind of shy and preferred to work in the studio, but he worked with so many great... Uh, collaborators i think that's a testament to why uh his music is so enjoyable and meaningful so uh i would tune in to cbn quite a bit this week i'm sure 
we may overplay David Bowie, but uh, he, because of his artistic brilliance, he can work on WCBN. And RIF, baby. (laughs) We won't get into that (laughs) reference. (laughs) An old uh, Detroit DJ that I don't even know if that guy's still around, but... I don't think so, yeah. (laughs) The, the 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 commercial rock and roll stations of Detroit certainly played David Bowie over the years. Well, um, quite an eventful week. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I don't know if Kim Jong Un has gotten a new haircut, but uh, uh, the <laughs> facts are not yet in on whether or not they have a new H bomb either. <laughs> apparently, apparently had a birthday this week. Couple of days ago, and I am skeptical of this hydrogen bomb. It doesn't. It sounds like the scientists have pretty much documented that this was a uh, mis- an accident, probably <laughs> more than anything. You know how much the premier likes surprises. You know, it's, it's sort of like if you uh, if you screw up, you may as well uh, exaggerate what you what you've done and say it was on purpose. You know, I don't mean to kind of jokingly bring this up, but I will read a kind of a funny connected uh, uh, story about accidents with uh, with bombs. Uh, this is from February 11th of 2014. It says, Su- suicide bomb trainer in Iraq accidentally blows up his class. Uh, it uh, gives a, a detailed description of how this fellow was uh, teaching his class. <laughs> uh, forgetting the cardinal rule, don't. Give lessons with live explosions, live explosives. So anyway, uh, yeah, a explosion. Your tax dollars at work. Uh, occurred, and this happened in Baghdad several years ago. And the article actually has a kind of a dark sense of humor about the situation in an Iraq in, in which an accident kills 22 militants is a source of dark humor for Iraqis. This article written by Durand, Durade Adnan and Tim Arango from February 11th of 2014. Uh, noting the facts, Iraq is facing its worst violence in more than five years with nearly 9,000 people killed last year and almost 1,000 people killed last month. So the facts, this was going on in Iraq uh, Two years ago, the violence has obviously continued, but uh, I suspect that the uh, the so-called hydrogen bomb uh, in North Korea was no such thing, and that once again we have an example of the mouse that roared. So let's give a brain damage award to North Korea. Indeed. Well, I don't know where you want to turn next, uh, Obama's uh, gun speech of last week, or... Uh well, it's interesting. He obviously will refer to this in the State of the Union tomorrow night. Uh, it's my understanding that uh, he uh, is going to leave a empty chair in the gallery to represent those missing from gun violence. Um, Ted Cruz's response, quote, if I'm elected POTUS, the Republican Maybe SCROTUS, but not POTUS. POTUS, by the way, is the acronym for President of the United States. Um, I've always been puzzled by that one, but... It's a dorky uh, acronym, yeah. 
Well, it reminds me of uh, of Tricky Dick. Tricky Dick, apparently, when he would uh, fly on Air Force One, liked to uh, put on the uh, a jacket that identified him as Commander in Chief. One can just imagine Tricky Dick, Richard Nixon, uh, shedding the uh, shedding the suit and putting on the jacket. <laughs> Time to fly, boys, as they say. Makes me feel presidential, Henry. Uh, so we'll give um, Ted Cruz a brain damage award. He says, uh, if I'm elected POTUS, Ted Cruz uh, uh, rep- uh, wrote on Twitter using the acronym for President of the United States, quote, there will be an empty seat for the over 50 million unborn children killed since Roe numbers stand for life. And to equate... Um, <clears throat> Abortion with gun violence? Yeah, abortion decisions made by uh, one-third of all women. Those are sort of the loose facts on that. With gun violence is pretty offensive. It's a religious position that Ted Cruz is entitled to take, but... Well, he's certainly false equivalency there. to that constituency, but uh, y- you have to wonder the extent to which Ted Cruz believes anything that he says, because he made many of his comments before he'd even heard Obama's speech. Obama has not ever even suggested that he was inclined towards confiscating guns. No. And yet they openly say this every time, not just Cruz, but others uh, say that uh, this is they're coming to take the guns. (laughs) If you listen to the very mild, too mild uh, proposals that were put forth, they're basically just, hey, can we please enforce existing law? You know. And seriously do so and make sure, you know, that if you're a gun dealer, you're actually listed as such. Um, yeah. And it's, that's really all they are. And it's troubling to, to learn that 40 percent of gun sales are actually made at these gun shows mm-hmm. in, in an unlicensed, unregulated sort of fashion. Uh, obviously, the facts about Barack Obama's presidency is no guns have been taken from anybody. Guns have been added. And this is why. Uh, Of course, the president of the United States had an op-ed in Friday's New York Times, uh, very reasonable, doesn't throw out a lot of statistics, but talks about the ongoing uh, gun tragedy in the United States, uh, just noting that about 30,000 Americans have their lives cut short by guns, and facts facts. He hasn't even tried to renew or expand the expired uh, assault weapons ban, which many Americans would wish that he would do that. Yeah. Um, so this uh, really knee-jerk reaction uh, gun voice uh, constituency uh, are really, as the president said very accurately, putting everybody else's uh, constitutional rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness right out the window. And... The, the you know if Ted Cruz is uh, becomes POTUS, God forbid. Um, I think he will discover um, following these mass shootings where it is almost obligatory now for the president of the United States to make an appearance to deal with the uh, grieving families. I think he'll quickly discover the source of Barack Obama's frustration. I think the president was just simply being honest when he said 
This has been one of the most frustrating um, sort of unfulfilled policy components of my entire presidency because it must wear on any chief executive, any leader of a country to have to deal literally every month was one of these absolutely inexcusable uh, mass shootings. And and the fact that mentally ill people are frequently the perpetrators of this is very troubling, to say the least. And I don't—there are existing gun laws that allow— uh, basically prohibit uh, these sorts of sales. It's, it's, you know, there has to be some sort of follow-up on the liability here regarding who's responsible for allowing these guns uh, in uh, the wrong hands. And, you know, when you, when, you, when you hear that even a million guns are stolen a year mm-hmm. and are used in crimes, the greatest victims of gun violence, by the way, in the United States are African-American men. This is the leading killer of Afri- young African-American men. This is not a small number. This is 6,000 individuals. And you, you hate to say it, but this is another reason why the people who are so gun-frenzied really don't care about victim uh, analysis. They don't even want the statistics on gun use, safe and otherwise, uh, to be known. Yeah, and that's another thing that's completely outrageous that the Center for Disease Control can't monitor these numbers. Uh, This is now sort of done by professional uh, statisticians that basically rely on media stories. And we know with the decline of newspapers and reporting from state after state after state that even these sorts of reports are becoming somewhat unreliable. This is not like the old days where the newspapers around the country monitored and had crime beat reporters Mm -hmm. that got this information directly from local police. One of the most remarkable things to me about the whole gun debate at the moment is the fact that law enforcement, that that we're in an incredibly complicated situation right now with law enforcement and and the shooting of unarmed um, people, because this is going on all over the country. African American men have been particularly targeted as a result of this kind of fear, fear and anger that's being promoted by the likes of Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and Fox News. Fox News and the hyperbole about this. It's law enforcement that wants reasonable gun regulations, and even many of the members of the NRA, if you can believe this. This is not an issue that's uh, 50-50 in the uh, public opinion polls. This is sometimes 70, 75, 80% of the people mm-hmm. agree with these policy changes that uh, the president is advocating. So it's, uh, well... It's going to be an interesting final State of the Union because uh, Barack Obama will only apparently join five presidents that have actually done this. States of the Union, by the way, used to be delivered uh, by a a horse and carriage to Congress in written form. 
So, uh, you know, I, I think that Barack Obama should highlight some of his uh, successes and uh, perhaps emphasize some of the frustrations that continue to beleaguer our nation in which there's simply no action and or outright obstruction of moving the country forward. Because our shared responsibility, by the way, is the title of this op-ed piece. It's almost unprecedented for the president of the United States to write an op-ed piece. Sort of an open letter to the American citizen. You got it. And it's very reasonable. It's not, this is not fanatical uh, policy, uh, doesn't have fanatical policy implications. Certainly not a twisted power grab. I mean, the fact that the nincompoops on uh, the Fox News uh, afternoon news chat shows openly scoffed at the emotion that was exhibited in the president's speech. Uh, Yeah, calling the tears fake. I mean, he's talking about murdered first graders, okay? Uh, He's a father. He's, you know, he's got experience with children. I mean, uh, you don't have to be a parent to have your throat, you know, close up on you when you remember that horrible crime. Uh, So, wow, that's that's really your reaction. Um, And over the weekend, this, I mean, in the context of the terror threat, Uh, As we've noted many times on the program before, uh, our own gun epidemic is uh, far more dangerous than uh, any perceived external terror threat at the moment. But this shooting in uh, Philadelphia over the weekend Mm -hmm. of the uh, obviously uh, deranged individual who makes a bold claim that he's joined ISIS, which, of course, anybody can say that they're doing. It doesn't mean that there's actually a connection. Uh, but it's an angry retaliation. Uh, Philadelphia cops are not uh, known for their love of African-Americans. Certainly the history of police abuse and police violence there is well known. This is obviously not to excuse an attack on another human being, but uh, within the context of Philadelphia, the shooting makes sense. The whole ISIS thing is just a gift for the... uh, News fotainment industry. Well, and similarities between Donald Trump and Frank Rizzo are pretty clear. Um, both have bad, both have bad hairdos. I might add, and uh, vast delusions of grandeur. But uh, yeah, but so yeah. I mean, uh, but I think that uh, President uh, tomorrow night should highlight some of his genuine successes and. Uh, and let's face facts. Um, we're we're going to see this year, this this coming year, probably uh, somewhere between eleven and twelve thousand Americans killed in gun homicides. Suicides, by the way, add another twenty thousand mm-hmm. to that total. Uh, those are the statistics, and America simply has a problem with guns. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's scary. I've always liked Gore Vidal's sarcastic comment that anybody that likes to play with guns must be a sissy. <laughs> oh well, put those guns away. Uh, by the way, it did. You know that they have ample evidence that this doesn't uh, actually protect you very often. 
Uh, people think uh, because they watch Hollywood movies that they're going to be able to shoot somebody in a tense situation. Doesn't happen very often because you have to be pretty well trained to be able to do that. And a lot of adrenaline, panic, fear. People don't think they're going to. Uh, people just don't perform the way they're going to. They think they're going to perform under those circumstances. And stand your ground and all these other harebrained things that have been going on are certainly not going to solve the gun epidemic in the United States. And Ted Cruz, well, I don't know if he packs a gun now in Texas. They apparently have a open carry law that just went into effect. So we'll have to monitor those statistics. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he may... I mean, he's doing very well among evangelicals. So uh, if if nothing else, then maybe Ted Cruz might be good in the long run for the uh, secessionist movement. And uh, this time around, I think many Americans might be inclined to let them go. Well, one thing that Barack Obama can point to is uh, sort of steady as she goes on the economy, more economic news regarding pretty solid job growth, that if this continues, everything should be A-OK. Federal Reserve, of course, uh, raised interest rates uh, about a month ago, a whopping one quarter of a percent. But kind of strange to see that oil prices continue to decline. And, of course, the stock prices of those corporations continue to decline while the stock prices of gun corporations are skyrocketing <laughs> due to increased gun sales. <laughs> it's... Uh, very strange, but not surprising, I guess. Well, also strange, but not surprising as we approach the final minutes of the program here. Uh, again, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and Yazoo City Calling will follow uh, this show. Uh, House Republicans have uh, put it forward one more time. We want to repeal the health law. Is it up to 62 now? It's up to 62 you got it. And so even though this, this is going to uh, certainly be vetoed and probably at breakneck speed, uh, they boast of this as a signal achievement, saying that, you know, we're going to do it one more time. And, and <laughs> it's a complete waste of everybody's time because it's going to get vetoed immediately. Well, I think that's how silly the whole thing is. Obviously, there are some problems with the uh, the Obama Healthcare law, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it, but talking about rising premiums that are connected with Obamacare um, misses the point. They they would have been rising with or without Obamacare. Uh, this was done to cover more Americans, and frankly, they need to go in the direction of single payer. It's interesting to report some good news. Coal production falls to the lowest volume in three decades. Uh, Mitch McConnell, of course, routinely accuses President Obama. There's a war on coal. War on coal. And it's like, no, uh, <laughs> utility companies are replacing coal with, in some cases, renewable energy, which is good. And It's a dirty, dirty fuel. I mean, it's no secret. Cleaner natural gas if you're going to use the fossil fuel. Um, anyway, the energy... Uh, Information Administration reported that uh, coal was 
uh, production was the lowest volume since 1986 and that exports of coal had dropped about 21% last year. That's good news in my book. <laughs> now, notwithstanding, of course, 